Welcome back to the Big Red Hunters podcast. We want to start by saying thank you so much, listeners, for taking the time out of your day to listen to this. We also want to say thank you to our sponsors who provide so much support for us. If you manage to kill that dream whitetail buck or maybe that bull sprig, check out Whitetail Classics Taxidermy, owned by Jody Schultz out of Louisville, Nebraska. Basically can put together whatever you can dream up. So check them out at whitetailclassicstaxidermy.com or his Facebook and if you want to talk to him today or book something, call him at 402-630-0031. Next up is Spores Wet Basement Solutions. Their services include water damage and crack repairs, landscaping, concrete driveways, grading, and more. Their recommendations provide solutions that are a long-term and not temporary fix. They do it right the first time. If you want additional information, you can check out spores.com or contact them at 402-476-8588. If you're like me and like to drive your wife nuts every season with a new duck or goose, call right, baby. Yep. Pretty much. Call, uh, check out B. Hoover Custom Calls. Brent Hoover out of North Pot, Nebraska is one of the best that comes around. He actually uh, got second at Best of Show at NWTF Nationals. Awesome guy. Personal friend of the family. Actually helped my dad harvest his bull elk. He specializes in wood, duck, and goose calls, turkey pots, dog whistles, and shotgun shell teal whistles. Awesome guy. Check him out at behoovercustomcalls.com. If your vehicle gets disgusting like my husband does during hunting season, (laughs) check out Dirty Devil Detailing. They do interior and exterior detailing as well as headlight restoration and more. They also are certified in glass transparency and take anything from vehicles, boats, jet skis, ATVs, and motorcycles. The devil is truly in the detailing. They're located in Omaha, Nebraska, and if you want additional information, check them out on dirtydevildetailing.com. If you're like me and have taken a few L's here this early season and wow, 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 pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) If you're like me and taking some L's and you really want that perfect hunt with the buddies and just get out there and enjoy what's going on and have to worry about anything, check out the other guys' outfitters. They do an incredible job of uh, dry field duck and goose hunts. You can check out their pile picks on Facebook. And if you're wanting to book a hunt today, call Crager at 308. 637-7777. If you're needing some professional photography done, check out My Business Faithful Images. Our mission is to faithfully capture images of God's creation in time that will one day serve as a memory. We do anything from infants, couples, families, seniors, weddings, announcements, and more. Check it out at faithfulimages.org or on Instagram and Facebook. If you're ever sitting there during COVID and thought to yourself, I really need to get on that dream hunt. I don't know. What what's going to happen in life, but I need to get in that dream hunt. Check out Chaku Peru. He does hunts in the U.S., South America, and Europe. If you've seen some of his pics or videos, if you haven't, jump on his Facebook or Instagram. Has some incredible hunts and does some incredible things. Uh, check him out at chakuperu.com for more details. Our last sponsor is Redbeard's Custom Calls. They specialize in acrylic duck and goose calls. Andrew made me one of the a one-of-a-kind marble white and hot pink dunk call. It sounds incredible. It looks amazing. If you want more information, check it out on Facebook. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for the support, and let's go ahead and jump in the podcast.
Welcome back to the Bigger at Hunters podcast. It's Hunter Idol, and I uh, wanted to say thank you for coming back for another episode. And today I got my co-host with me, Jeremy. What up, dog? From Huntfish365. <laughs> Uh, we got some. We got some new videos. Are you gonna pull one out for ice fishing? Yeah, I've actually got three. Oh, geez, you bringing out the sauce? They're not gonna be anything special. Lots of fish being caught, but yeah, I was. I was actually talking about this with Brad yesterday when we were fishing, and I was like, I struggle with ice fishing videos because like I don't do it a whole lot, and then I just don't have the motivation at that point in the season yeah. to be active with the camera. I already struggle with that at times, but <laughs> yeah, no, I I hear you. But especially so, after the season we've had, yeah, no, like this season has beat me down. I had such high hopes, like when it came to the camera going into this season, as you guys will hear by the end of this podcast. Um, well, well it especially beat me down. Like, <laughs> like it's just like it was one thing after another. I guess I would say, yeah, and like. I just felt like overall it was just a kick in the nuts worth of like it was it was I guess it was just this year's just been a kick in the nuts. It has. It has. But, but. I don't know. It it is what it is. I I guess it's been a kick in the nuts for a few reasons, but I I feel I feel bad because I gave you another kick in the nuts. Yeah, so I'll have ice fishing videos, and it's because <laughs> Hunter won't invite me to go goose hunting when oh there's actually gosh. geese. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, that that that's not what it sounds like. I promise. No, I know. I do. So uh, we're finishing up season. We have uh, by this time it's a re- when it this podcast release. Oh, it'll be Wednesday, so season ends. Wednesday. Yep. So last Wednesday, the week before, like I, I invited Jeremy out for a quick evening hunt, right? Yeah. Like, hey, Jeremy, can you go? And you're like, ah, no, I got work. Yeah, I worked 55 hours this week, at full blast. Yeah. And I feel bad because when we talked about late season goose, I just was like, hey, you know, I'm pretty flexible with work. Generally, yep. the, that time of year. So if you get like ooh, last second, we're going. Just tell me, and I'll probably be available. And then I just got slammed yep. this this winter. Just absolutely slammed. We got past Christmas, and it was just like we got beat over the head with work. And I Which just could be worse. It could be, and we just keep picking more and more up. But yeah, and of course, <laughs> and you know the thing that hurt me even more is I would have sat by you on that hunt. Yep. Because I always do. Yep. Means we would have both crushed geese that night. <laughs> yep. Okay, so kind of get an image in your guys' head. These we've been watching these geese, and the issue, and I, I, I think I talked to somebody on Facebook about it too. Like a little background, Facebook. This guy had a video of these geese just like going by him, and he had like three or four. He had like two or three dozen like full bodies, and he's like, "What am I doing wrong? Like, I don't know what you know, like." Can you guys give me any advice? And I went on there. I was like, dude, these late season geese, they are very hard to traffic. I said, either you're going to have to run a big spread to traffic them or going to have to be on the X. I said, don't feel bad. Like, we have had zero luck, which Jeremy can mm-hmm. attest to. I can. We've <laughs> personal, personal <laughs> experience that we have had zero luck traffic them 
and the spread that we normally run for like late season, like late season geese or traffic, we've got about thirty dozen dive bomb silos. We've like three or four dozen sleepers. We usually don't run them as much unless there's snow. And then we've got about five dozen full bodies. So I was like, hey, like there's nothing out there. There's yeah. a lot of a lot of geese out there. Well, that last time I went on with you guys, we set up pretty much everything. We shut we set up everything and then Took us an hour to set up. And yeah. And then um another guy brought another ten dozen of his. He had lessers and we set them up on the other side. So like we had forty dozen silos yeah. out there. You know, they an hour for six guys to set yeah, up. There's five hundred decoys out there. Mm-hmm. Like if five hundred decoys ain't gonna do it, like nothing's doing it. Yeah. Doesn't matter what you're doing. So I just told him, I was like, either you gotta be on the X or like you're gonna have to buy some more decoys and don't feel bad that you're not having much success because like everyone's struggling right now mm-hmm. and like even we're struggling. And someone kind of commented back like, "Well, maybe you can scale back your decoys or like try different things." I was like, "You know, I don't." We did. We tried running old fall bodies and only did a few dozen. You know, we mixed it up. We tried different places, but reality, man, they just they don't want to be there. They don't want to be there, and so. I said the main issue that we've been having is warm weather and field hoppers. Instead of what I mean by that is like geese will sit in a field one night and then they'll go to another field the another night and then they'll go to another field the other night. And then they'll eventually find a field that no one can hunt, no one can get to. So then they go there pretty consistently, but they'll also jump too. So it just becomes a menace. Well, like we have we have a decent amount of permission on there in that area well they finally started hitting fields that we can hunt in another roost area so they've been there a couple days so we set up and we set up along this tree line because they'd go out and then come right down this tree line and then go to land so that's where we set up at and it was just one of those weird nights where they just did something different nothing that really geese do very often but they would like go out. They would, if I'm sitting on a log tree line, they'd go over us, and then they'd come behind us because the tree line ended on my side of the blind. That's where the tree line ended. They'd go over and then back, and then they'd come in. And by the time they were like parallel to my blind, they're like 20, 25 yards and like just off the ground. Mm-hmm. Let her eat, boys. Let her eat. Let that boss. Let that boss eat, baby. <laughs> So I had uh, I had a lot of fun. Yeah, you did. And Nala also had a lot of fun because she got to chase down a few cripples, and she had a lot of fun. So, uh, so talking about boss, I know you're not necessarily a believer yet. No, I'm a believer. We'll I just can't there. believe in spending the money. <laughs> <laughs> so the guy, um, we split up geese, and he must have ended up with a few of them that I had shot, and he's like, He's like, man, he's like, I'd open, I'd open up that skin. He's like, you shouldn't use those, those copper ones. It's like, what do you, because they're copper plate. He's like, you, sh- you shouldn't use those. I'm like, why? And he's like, I'd open them up and, you know, that belly would just be full of them. I said, if that many made it in the belly, just think of how many went through it and, like, finished that goose off. Because I was like, I bet there's a lot of holes in it, too. And he's like, yeah. I was like. A lot of the biggest issue that people have about late season geese and steel is it doesn't have the hit power enough to get through the skin. Mm-hmm. It bounces off. Yeah. That's why, like, you'll go to shoot a goose and you see feathers flying. 
and then it doesn't go down, you're pissed off. That's like yeah. that. That's the difference. So like I was like said that to him. He's like, huh. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I don't. I they they have a pre-sale. I think I'm gonna get on the pre-sale so I can buy a couple more cases for next year. Cause, like, I am, I'm definitely a believer on like late season ducks. I'm probably gonna change from the three five blend to like straight fives, just so I have more BBs in a bigger pattern. Mm-hmm. And then I I'm still gonna stick with the twos for. I'm pretty sure the fives the is what. I'm pretty sure the fives is what Matt from High Prairie shoots. Probably. I'm, I'm pretty sure because he likes to get more BBs in that 28 gauge of his. Yeah. So. And I am, um, I'd like, I'm not going to lie. I'm really thinking about buying a 20 gauge. Uh, dude, Matt has me hooked on those 28 gauges. I, just, I want one really bad. My biggest problem about us and the 28 gauge is like he hunts a lot of cattail marshes. That, like, he can get ducks in real close. Yeah. And, like, those birds are less pressured. So, like, say that day that we hunted, like, around Halloween, could you absolutely use a 28 gauge? Yeah. Yeah. But you got to think about some of the other shots you made that were. Yeah. I, I definitely can think of a few birds on that weekend that I would no shot with a yeah. 28 gauge. But I can also say that I see, I think why he has. I think why Matt has such great success with the 28 gauge is because he knows he's using a 28 gauge, so he goes the extra mile on every other step of his hunt. So, taking into consideration on what he, like, I would say, and I don't, obviously, I don't know exactly how he hunts all the time, but, like, you gotta think through the way he hunts. It's usually with him or one other guy. Mm-hmm. And their, yeah, hide, their hide's usually impeccable. Mm-hmm. And he can get birds that... I hate to say, but typically you're not that pressured. I've hunted out west a lot, and those birds do a lot. They do it a lot more often than ducks out here. Now, I'm not. Tell, I'm not saying that like all the season, and I like. I'm not trying to, you know, scrape any scrape any anger out of people. But like, I've hunted on both sides of the state, and fresh birds on the eastern side of the state work just as well as the western side of the state. But they go stay a lot faster because they got hunt. They get pressured a lot faster in the eastern side of the state. I think there also has to be something said about the quantity versus yeah. each side of the state. Yeah, because like you get past October here, and if you're okay. seeing a lot of ducks, like take this in consideration. Two was it two three years ago? We had all the flood. And mm-hmm. You had all the birds. Yeah, could you've like no 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 thought you could have used a twenty gauge all on, season long and been successful that season hundred percent. For this me. year, this year, no question. I wouldn't have been able to do it. Yeah, I wouldn't have. That's what it. I mean. Is like, and I completely, I completely agree with you on that. Like, there are, there are situations that are better for it. And Matt, ha- I will give you, Matt does have situations that work better now. Yeah. Matt, if you listen to this for whatever reason, trust me, I don't try to be one of those e scouters that takes all your spots. Mark my words, I will figure out where that river spot is that you've been hunting the last couple of years because <laughs> I know that area well, but I still don't know where the heck that is. I just can't figure it out. <laughs> nah, it sounds bad, and I'm I'm actually kidding. Are you, though? No. I think I know where it's at, actually. I'm, see, I know. I probably shouldn't be different. I'm not going to say it on, up here. I, but. I think I know where it is because I know he, he like he's said it on his videos he has to go like he has to walk like almost a mile and a half to get back to that spot yeah and that's why he's the only one that's always back there yeah but 
I'm pretty sure I know where it is, but I just I can't be certain. I had to I had to basically go out there. Yeah. But no, I understand. We gotta get him on here. I should I should message him this week. See if I've we been can get reaching him on out here. to people. Um, actually, we're sitting. I think we're gonna sit down with that guy from Mallard Bay. So we got a lot of fun stuff coming up. And yeah. I got I messaged a couple other people too. So yeah, uh, a couple ones I'd like to get going is that one. Uh, I reached out to. So we use Juvie Jukebox for all of our e-callers. I reached out to them. Hopefully I can get them on. So. That'd be good with snow season coming. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. And then to finish our, our uh, goose hunting. Oh, yeah. Love. So, oh, I got a fun story for everybody. So I, like, I've been, I've been on and off. I, I not on and off. I have been sick. And I wasn't, like, I really struggled to go like that Wednesday evening. Cause like I just, it, it's been rough, mm-hmm. been rough. So Dane's like, Oh, all scout force. Yeah. So dang tech. I text Dane like, Hey, do you find anything good? He's like, well, yeah, we're going to hunt. And there's going to be like 11 guys tomorrow. I'm like, and no, <laughs> <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> and Brad had texted me if I was going to go hunting. And I said, uh, maybe it just depends. And then he texts me, he's like, you, you really should go ice fishing with me. I'm like, I got that text about the 11 people. I was like, yeah, I'm out. And I, I text Brad like, oh, yeah, like, let's go ice fishing. I didn't even know that you were going at that point. Well, I think I told you because I was like, what's the, no, I asked it, you what it the. Was, it was later that night you had texted me. Oh, okay. All right, all right. So then I figured out you were going. I'm like, oh, like, this is going to be a fun trip. Yeah. The three amigos, you know. And. <laughs> so i get up in the morning and dane had talked about going with me as well so i was going to give him the details and like i was working on kind of getting around the house and uh he's like well he's like this is what happened there's another group of guys out there like that we hunt with pretty like pretty often another group like a lot of us have the same permission like we get along we don't have any problems yeah we hunt together it's not that big a deal there was a third group that like had showed up and kind of had said they had permission, but like, let's like, we, we obviously know the area very well and we know who has permission in areas and who doesn't like we have good relationship with the farmers and it doesn't like none of us knew that he had permission. So mm-hmm. now granted the landowner has like the right to give who permission yeah. and not permission. Like that's up to them. Like if he had given permission last night, then he has full rights and full access. But just the kind of the way he played it, it didn't seem like he did from what I gathered. But then he kind of said he did and then, like, was, like, trying to push his way into the hunt. Like, at first he was like, oh, I'm bringing, like, 12 buddies to come hunt. And I think, like, if you get a dude that walks up the field and tells you he's got 12 buddies hunting, like, I have a hard time believing them. Because I have been in, like, a fair amount of situations where, a dude will say that, but he's just saying that for you to go away. Mm-hmm. I've had that happen like a few times. I don't understand people that can do that one just from the idea of hunting with 12 people. The most I've ever done is nine, and that was terrible. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It was awful. But that was everybody I knew at that moment in time yeah. that I hunted with when it came to waterfowl. Yeah. Right now, unless we just like pulled everyone from your side jared's side my side yeah uh, I, just, I i like if i had a, like a gigantic feed of like three or four thousand birds because i could i pull 12 dudes yeah yeah 
But would I want to? No. <laughs> I mean, really, realistically, no. I mean, I the most I think I've ever hunted with was 11, and it was because there was two four-man pits and there was two two-man pits, and, like, I was invited on it. Mm-hmm. And I was mostly worried about, like, hunting with my dad, and, like, it was one of his buddies. But, like, I mean, you were all separated out. So, like, you only had four guys in the pit, so it wasn't like you were trying to hunt on top of 12 dudes. Yeah. So, fast forward, he, like, was trying to be pushy, and then he backed off and said, I'm only bringing three dudes, and then he ended up trying to push four or five, and, like, it just ended up being a headache. So, the guy was like, oh, I'll just go hunt some other feed. And, like, the feed that he was going to go hunt was in a field that I'm, we're almost sure that, we know the guy that has permission. No one else has permission because we went and talked to that landowner and he said, this guy has permission and I'm only getting permission for one person for this year. Yeah. Like if you come back next year, like uh, if you beat him to it, then you can get it. But like we hunt with that dude too. Yeah. I hunted with him two weeks ago. Super nice dude. And uh, so we're like, mm, this seems kind of fishy. Yeah. So he backed out and I, Dane's like, oh, you should come. Now there's only six dudes coming. I'm like, ah, you know, like, it'd be, yeah, yeah. And like, we're getting to the end of season. So I call Brad and Jeremy, like, ah. All right. Okay, no, no, no. You got to get this from my <laughs> angle here. First of all, I'm driving to Brad's pond, which, Brad, when you listen to this, thank you for the invite. I really appreciate it. I had a blast with you, buddy. We got some monster crappie. We really, really did, Hunter. And he's like, oh, yeah, hey, Hunter's coming. I was like, you got Hunter to come ice fishing with us? Like, dang, uh, this is going to be a good day. <laughs> <laughs> like, man, I can't. I, I always talk to Hunter like, hey, we should go fishing too. And I can't uh, get him to go because he's like, I don't like fishing. <laughs> uh, and we're, it's like 11 o'clock. And I'm like, man, I wonder when Hunter's coming out and Brad had gone to the other end of the pond, and I was heading that direction. I saw he was on the phone. I knew it was probably you. <laughs> and I get over there, and I'm like, when are you getting out here? And Brad just goes, he's bailing on us. I was like, blank, blank, blank. You go. <laughs> I, was, I was like, all right, let's hear this. He's like, I'm going goose hunting now. I was like, with 11 people? And uh, he's like, no, now there's only six. In the back of my head, I was like, Oh my gosh, I probably could have gone, but now I'm here. <laughs> I've, I'm, I'm willing to say if I I could have invited you, but you were with Brad, so... I was with Brad, and I didn't bring any of my stuff. Like, I mean, I could have had an extra gun for you, but... I did have all my camo on, and my bibs. I would have been plenty warm. You know what? You could have shot Shay's gun. You know what? It's my gun, so like it's the same thing. It That's just, true, actually. Like... You know what? Screw you. <laughs> <laughs> so let's explain this hunt. <laughs> Make Jeremy feel even worse. Mm-hmm. So uh, <laughs> there's been about a thousand birds in this field. We're going to set up in the fence line. They've been feeding about uh, like 50 yards from the actual fence line. So we set up the fence line to be able to, to have a better cover. And, uh, oh, baby. They didn't get up. Except if they would have got up at the time they did yesterday because it was colder it would have been a, like, wreck fest. But mm-hmm. we still, like, we finished, like, shooting time was over, and there were still birds, like, coming into us, mm-hmm. trying to, like, set up to land. We even had, like, five, so we're sitting, 
the way we set up, we set the blinds on the other side of the fence row, and we we're on the other side, like piling up geese and starting to get decoys. Dude, there was five honkers at like maybe thirty yards, mm-hmm. and they just saw us and like peeled out. Oh, they would have landed for sure. That would have been a wreck fest. But uh, we ended up shooting fifteen with a cackler, and then we ended up with a, a speckle belly as well. That was really nice. And uh, I got some nice video. So I did, like, so because I had such a good hunt on Wednesday and I had shot so many, I was like, I'm going to set, I'm going to take some pictures because I got, because of the camera situation, I bought a new camera body and a new lens. And I was excited because I haven't actually had, I didn't, I replaced a Tamron lens with a Sigma lens. So I was excited to try it out mm-hmm. and get it working. And, uh, man, I took some good stuff. You did. I will. I've seen some of it so I'll, far. I mean, I, I'll get, like, 30 likes. Probably. Like, I it's mean, good stuff. Know, Instagram's garbage at this point. So. Yeah, for real. Like, I put out that reel, and, like, I, it's it's slowly making its way, but it's definitely not, yeah, it's not to gonna, the level it was. It's not going to get probably much more traction, unfortunately. Did Brad tell you, Brad tell you about that? One video he put on Facebook? Yeah. That's crazy. I don't know, man. Ice fishing. I don't know what it is. People love it. It's stupid. I don't... I, I just don't get it. I... I Don't get me wrong. Like, ice fishing's cool, and I've done it, and it's all right. Like, I would have loved to have gone that day with you guys. Yeah. But it's not something, <laughs> like, I'm real excited to go do by myself. Yeah, no. I, no, like, I, I can't do it by myself. I just... Like, it would get boring. If... I went with Brad, like, cool. Like, we can hang out with my buddies. That's what I'm more worried about is, like, hanging yeah. out with you guys than really than ice fishing. But I'm not going to go put $1,000 in gear to go do it right. Mm-hmm. Hard pass. <laughs> you, well, I hate to break it to you. $1,000 would be some really crappy gear for ice fishing. You'd spend a lot of money on ice fishing equipment. It gives me no more reason or cause to <laughs> I know. It. Look, I mean, I go ice fishing, like, three, four times a year. So, like, yeah. I have the bare minimal. Yeah, like, no. I'll just go with Brad if I do it. <laughs> if I go. That's the problem. <laughs> well, I can tell you at this point it's over, so. Yeah, it is. It's going to be almost 60 degrees this entire week. So. In February. In February. In last year at this time, we had a, over a foot of snow, and it was that Arctic blast. It was like negative mm-hmm. 20. I will say, though, two years ago in February, we had really similar weather to what we're going on. Because I actually I got a memory that popped up. And it was so warm at the end of January into February that we were already going out west and fishing some of the stuff out there that we like to fish. Hmm. So, Snow goose, baby. Yeah, I mean, I'm just hoping they don't fly over us. Because that's, that's what they did that year, that it was super warm so in February. we got that blast of snow, like, mid to end of February. And I remember that. No, no, I take that back. That was the year the year prior to that. I remember that year talking about the year before that year. <laughs> year before that year before that year. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so it would have been three years ago. We had all that snow sitting on the ground. Then it kicked, and it hit, like, 60, 70 degrees. And we're like... We just kept having like waves of snow geese coming over us, and we we're like trying to set out our socks, and it mm. was a mud mess. Jeez. I wouldn't, I don't, I won't ever do that again. That was horrible. <laughs> but uh, I'm looking forward to snow geese. We're not going to get into that because I think we're going to do a snow goose podcast, but we're going to get into 
what we actually are going to talk about tonight. <laughs> now that we've talked for 24 minutes already 24 about minutes, baby. Uh, just uh, the fact that I can never shoot geese with Hunter ever again, apparently. Oh, my goodness gracious. So I'm trying to get him to go on Wednesday, maybe. I, I'm going like, to try my hardest. I really probably shouldn't because of I, I just I told Jeremy that I'm not taking him on a hunt unless birds have been feeding in the field for two days. <laughs> and that, like, it's going to be a for sure, like, kill kind of hunt because I don't, like... I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna do do them dirty for the like fifth time this year. That's okay. You kill the mallard, so I guess that's a plus. I did, yeah. Trade that in for okay. it's like two geese per mallard. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but either way, all right. Um, so we're gonna get an elk. We talked about doing this podcast like for six months. We're gonna actually do it. Elk hunting podcast recap. So Jeremy went on a Colorado trip, a Wyoming trip, and then I went out to North Platte with my dad on a bull elk trip. So we're going to kind of recap what happened. So Jeremy's going to kick us off with his his Colorado trip. Okay. Um, Woo, baby. Woo. Kicking the nuts. Right in the, yeah, right in the nuts. Uh, elk hunting, like, so I haven't done much elk hunting in my life at all. Um, I've always wanted to. It's something that I've looked forward to and i guess you could say was a dream of mine yeah my dad and a bunch of friends used to go to colorado every year when i was like i think the first year they went i was six or seven and then they went for like four or five years in a row and they would always shoot elk i mean they were just hunting for cows and then i finally went with them one year and we saw nothing absolutely nothing so then we went to nebraska for trail last year and I've just been like itching to go shoot an elk, go try and shoot an elk. I love the mountains, like you know the whole beach mountains uh, comparison kind of thing. Give me the mountains all day. I like For the real? beach. I like the beach, but they both have their place. They do absolutely, but liver- you know, like I would say like beach either summer or like winter because you're gonna get away from winter, mm-hmm. like February time yeah. when there's nothing to hunt, or it's mountains in like uh, September October mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. So finally, this year, everything just kind of like I had like the long summer, a lot of a lot of stars aligned for me. Like we had planned. Yeah, right. (laughs) We had planned already a hunt to Wyoming. um, And then my buddy, John, uh, he texted me one day out of the blue. He was like, I've got an archery tag and a rifle tag this year. Like, you want to come elk hunt with me in Colorado? He was he, he moved to Colorado a couple of years ago. And he's been trying to figure it out, but he can't find the right people to go with up there. And so he's been doing it by himself. And so he's like, I want somebody to go with me this year. And I was like, I'm in, 100%. And uh, just so happened to be that there was leftover tags in that unit. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to try and get one of these tags. Got it. No question. It was a either sex tag because i told myself i was going to colorado i'm doing a bull tag it's only like a hundred dollars more than a cow tag i could sum the whole trip up in just a couple words and that is that colorado was a shit show <laughs> um i learned a lot don't get me wrong but it was a mess um i just don't even don't really quite know where to start i could go day by day on this i mean first day 
was, you know, just a lot of driving, beautiful country, hang out with, you know, Terrell and everybody else who was on the driving trip. Driving trip, wow. Driving, driving portion trip. of the trip. <laughs> and, like, the other weird aspect of our Colorado trip is I was already going to Colorado because one of the guys that my dad used to hunt in Colorado with had a tag already before John had texted me. So we were going with him. And John just happened to be only about 45 minutes away from him um, across the valley when it came to tags. And so we got to a splitting point. They went one direction, and me and Trell went another direction. Um, and we saw a lot of deer driving in. Um, we got the truck stuck on day one driving up the mountain. We wanted to get... They had just gotten like two inches of snow that day that we were driving in. And so that like the roads were not slick, but they weren't great um, going up the mountain. And one thing I figured about figured out about that unit real quick is that you really should have an ATV of some kind um, to really get back to where I wanted to get to, which was kind of a bummer because uh, every person that I talked to that was headed that dire- direction was like, "Yeah, we kill elk every year," hmm. and like. The guy told me exactly where he was going. One one of the people I stopped and talked to, they've been coming to that unit for 10 years. And he was like, yeah, we go to this place. And it literally was right where I was trying to get to. And he's like, we kill elk every year. Hmm. And I was like, oh. What the, so you're, uh, you were archery. No, this, oh. was, this was a rifle. Oh, you can you get a tag off the counter with a rifle? Oh, oh, uh, so Colorado's so weird. We were hunting the limited first season, so it's a draw. Mm. but in the unit that we were in i applied in the secondary draw and there was still 500 tags left gotcha so i would bet money that you probably could buy one of those tags over the counter um because you're saying we should go yeah i mean if you want to go elk hunting we can go Mm. i don't think i can go this year because of terrell we could pick up a utv my dad's. We could go take that UTV out there. Or I might. We could pick up Shay's dad. He's got a rancher I could borrow. Truck it on out there. Why are you looking at me like that? I just. Why weren't we friends like 20 years ago, Hunter? You asked me this a lot. I, I do. Because so back up here. <laughs> back up here. So we're setting up this goose hunt. And Dane's like, oh, yeah. Like, I got oh, turkeys dude, all over don't. my property. <laughs> and you're like, what? What? I. Are Dane, you seriously? Dane just had the audacity to be like, yeah, I've shot almost like 100 turkeys in my life because we have so many on our property. I was like, I literally like am speechless, just kind of like I was on the podcast when we were talking about you and your abilities out west for turkeys. And I just look at Hunter and I was like, man, I am 24 blanking years old. Why the heck did we just meet like and become friends this year? <laughs> like, like, I like... Not in a, a weird or bad way. I love all the people that I hunt with, but, like, I have always wanted somebody to hunt with that has that drive like I do and has, I mean, you don't quite have the interests across the board like I do. Yeah. But when you do something and you like it, you're dedicated to it. And so I've never... It's a it's a blessing and a curse. <sighs> My wife loves me for it. Preach. And, like, she... She's a sweetheart and a saint, but she really gave me a good old wrecking. Hopefully, shouldn't hear that or in the podcast. <laughs> she listens to the podcast on and off. Like she gave them to me real good after last 
because I've been all like I've you know like I've talked to you about it, like how hard I've we've been hitting goose yeah. and and like she got me she got after me <laughs> but continue continue your story but so yeah every time it seems like every time we talk about more and more hunting opportunities uh and we're gonna do a lot of hunting together in the future do we just become best friends yeah we already did but anyways so we'll go back to colorado here we finally end up finding a spot and let me tell you we got like two miles down this jankety road um uh, almost bottomed out the truck several times actually i never told my dad about this i was freaking out about it but when you you'd go through one of the just holes in the road there was water in it from melted snow and every time i would go through it it'd splash water up on the motor my dad used to have like a just a leak of some kind and so splashing water on it it would kind of remove mud that had cut covered that and it also would create smoke from the heat of the motor so i pretty much the whole trip swore that i had a a leak somewhere and i was like i am way up here and my dad's truck's gonna break down on me and i'm gonna like i was freaking out (laughs) and he he was in a different unit hunting with someone else so it was like ooh, crazy and we were way back in this spot that was a terrible road Kind of one of those roads that they, if something bad was to happen to the truck, they'd be like, yeah, we'll see you in the spring. <laughs> but so, yeah. Anyways, we finally, we finally got set up, met. This was Thursday, season open Saturday. We spent all Friday running around. John showed up. We did some scouting. We, you know, talked to people who had more experience in the unit than us. And the unit sounded like a really good unit, but as it has been this entire year, pretty much across the country, it seemed like there was two things. It was dry as hell, and it was warm. Yeah, we had snow, but then it was 50 degrees on opening day and Sunday, and so, like, it, the elk were way up. Well, so opening morning comes, and all of our excitement... Actually, it's funny because I've started going through the videos because I am still going to put something out for it over the winter. But So I was looking through it the other day. In all of our excitement Friday night, you know, catching up with John and, like, get, you know, getting a plan put together, none of us set alarms. So we woke up at shooting light. Yeah. yeah. It was, I was, I was really disappointed about it. And then, like, <sighs> So we're sitting there at camp, and we had two options. We either go up the mountain or we go down the mountain, come around uh, a section of private, and then come back up a mountain, which was what we kind of were thinking about doing because my brain has always said and always will, if I can get away from the people as much as I possibly can, I want to. Yeah. Um, whether that's waterfowl, deer, elk, turkey, doesn't matter. I want to get away from if I can, I'm going to try and get away from the people. So we went down, saw very, very little l- sign in the lowlands, got down basically to as low as we were going to come. We dropped like 1,800 feet actually. Um, and we found two guys down there, talked to them. They had been there for five days in the lowland area scouting, hadn't seen an elk. 
And I was like, I don't know why you'd spend five days if you. Like, that's kind of well. After day two, so like. it was a son and a dad. Son was probably, well, I'd say, early thirties, and his dad was like pushing sixty. He was in good shape, but I think he had a knee or a back thing, and so because of the snow and the sli- like that first day it was slippery as heck because we got more snow overnight and then um it got warm and so it, it was kind of a pain walking around and they were like yeah he can't he, he said he's like i can't go up and he he was the one that didn't have the tag but he was like yeah i just can't go up so we've been down in the lowlands which Again, I wouldn't have stayed there for five days. I would have been like, we can go up, find a different camp, and if you don't want to come up with me, that's fine. Like, there was plenty of cell service in that unit. Actually, I, it was like we were in the middle of a town. Gotcha. <laughs> but, so we talked to them. They hadn't seen anything, and we were like, all right, well, we were going to go up and do this route, and, you know, I was asking the guy. He'd hunted the unit for years, and it's like, you know, how's it go and i was like or he said there's elk up there but it's a it's a climb and we were like yeah we're all right it's like 10 o'clock right now we're just trying to get a lay of the land and honestly the climb up really wasn't that bad um but we were we started climbing got to the top as soon as we were like 100 feet from the top of it elk sign everywhere I mean, fresh too. Actually, at a couple times, we thought we had spooked elk because we'd hear crashing. Yeah. But we get to the very top of it, and there's just laydowns everywhere. Which, for anybody that doesn't know what a laydown is, it's just dead trees, either from disease or from fires that have fallen over in the harsh winters and wind and whatnot. And so it's like, imagine somebody put a thousand fences in front of you in like a 500 yard stretch. And you had to climb over all of them. It was terrible. It was really, really bad. And at that point, it was like, if we went back down and back up the way we came, it was six miles. (laughs) Which one are you going to do? Yeah. And if we went through the laydowns and back around, it was three. So we chose that way. We met more people at the top. They tried to play it off like there was no elk up there, but we weren't being fooled because we'd seen all the sign. We just weren't right there with them. We thought, like, if we hadn't been so far from camp, we had considered sitting there till dark because we found a really good glassing spot, but we were like, no, we need to get back to camp, especially when we saw those laydowns. And so on the way back, at one point, we came, we had to drop into a valley and back up the side and coming up the back side of that, valley um we gained probably 500 feet in about a hundred yard stretch i mean it was like <laughs> it was 45 degree easy uh, like all the way up it and we saw bear tracks we saw cougar tracks it's starting to get dark mm. and like we're all just like <laughs> but we made it back to camp <clears throat> and uh yeah well, that's where this is where the shit show aspect of Colorado started to happen. Uh-oh. So Saturday night, I we're over it. I understand more of what was going on, and it is what it is. I thought it was kind of a joke for a little bit, but 
we did so we did 12.3 miles on opening day and we're sitting eating dinner and trail goes i think i'm gonna go home and i was like you rode with me i don't know how you're gonna do that and he's like i already texted his fiance and she's coming to get get me nine and a half hours talk about like wife material and i actually it, yeah no literally the next like it, so sunday morning we got up i talked i brought him down the mountain i lost half a day of hunting i was really disappointed about that and obviously i was sad that trell was leaving i don't hold anything against him now i understand what was going on with him i respect him you know for sharing ultimately you know without going into all the details trell lost the desire to hunt for a little bit there and he struggled with it all season uh, he's getting over it now and his pump for turkey season so we're past it it's all good yada yada so i took him down the mountain his fiance got him we you know left i was pretty angry at that moment but you know whatever i get up the mountain we go on an evening hunt and literally as you said we're standing there and i me and john are talking about it and it's like i'm really disappointed but at the same time Talk about having somebody in your life that'll drive nine and a half hours for you. No question. Yeah. Like, that's awesome. I'm really, like, she's a good woman. Trail, like, doesn't actually deserve her at all, but <laughs> respectfully. But <laughs> so we go up the mountain. We decided to go up the mountain on Sunday. And that was the best part of the hunt, I would say. Yeah. We get up the mountain. Um, we come up over a little bit of a ridge and John was in front of me and like, you know, I'm kind of hanging my head because of Terrell and not seeing any elk yet and yada yada. And like John rips his gun off his shoulder and racks a shell or around. And I just was like, Oh my gosh, is this happening? And he's like, he looks back at me and he does the whole, like I see elk with his fingers essentially and so I pull my gun off my shoulder. I rack around and like we're moving up and I get around this tree and I look into this little opening and I just see a butt, like just a tan butt sitting there. And I was like, at this point I was like, I'm going to shoot whatever's legal, which for me is a cow or a bull. And in the unit we were in, it's a four point unit, which I'm pretty sure I can't remember if all Colorado's that way or if it's like 95% that way. There are some spike units, I believe, but I'm not sure. And so I just saw I just saw the elk, brought my gun up, was leaning up against the tree, was like breathing, getting ready, yada, yada, for it to turn broadside. The elk turned broadside, and all I, all I saw painfully was two just woolly little spikes sticking out of the top of this thing's head, and I went, oh, my gosh, it's a spike. Are you serious? And I, uh, yeah, I was really bummed. I pulled the camera out, got a little bit of footage of it. It walked off. John came around the tree and I was like, it was a spike. And he's like, are you serious? We were both just like, our hearts were like racing because we actually saw an elk and like things are kind of going right. Yeah. And then it was like, but at the same time, of course, after, you know, almost two days of hard hunting, doing almost 20 miles, we see a spike. <laughs> and that's the only elk we saw in Colorado. Um, 
It's like hunting all day and then seeing a stupid pintail that won't come within yeah. like 80 yards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so I that I mean, when it came to the elk, that was pretty much the highlight of the trip. We talked to a few other people around, the, you know, among the trip, amongst our time on the mountain that were like, yeah, this is a great unit. Everything's super high um, this year. We went super high. We found sign but never found more elk. About the only other cool thing that happened is I got, I was within 15 yards of a cow and calf moose. She came walking up on me and scared the crap out of me because, I mean, a long time ago when I was in Alaska with my family, we actually got charged by a cow and calf moose. And uh, so I had a little, I was sitting there like, "Uh uh-uh, I pulled my gun off my shoulder. I was like, nah. I will fight with the DNR. I do not care. <laughs> I'm in the middle of Colorado. John was up the mountain from me. If I got run over by a moose, like, <laughs> yeah, it was going to be bad. So I was like safety off and everything. I was fully prepared. If she charges me, I'm going to put a bullet right through her eyes, like right between her eyes. Like she's, <laughs> did, you have, did you have your GoPro on? I had my camera on pointed at me, uh, but I, yeah. so like, and what ended up happening is there were two guys that were below them. John had seen them up the mountain, but it looked like they were going a different direction than me. Well, two guys came up the mountain and pushed them right to me. I mean, like, on top of me. Yeah. So that was really the only other exciting thing that happened. Uh, Wednesday was the last day of the hunt, and we were gonna we were going to, like, hunt all day, but actually you had been... T- texting me is like when are you coming back because that was the weekend that next weekend was the weekend we went out west with jared yep and so i was like man i'm beat i did 40 miles in four days of hunting four and a half so that was colorado that was colorado i mean i could give a lot more to the experience but man i'll talk all day it was a blast i really did learn a lot was i disappointed that I didn't shoot an elk or see more elk. Absolutely. But now like, and it's what I've struggled with, with this kind of hunting, that Western big game hunting is I have always wanted to do it, but you have to take that first step into trying it so that you can learn. There's only so many questions that you can ask and there's only so much that you can do. So the two big things that I know for sure now is one, don't start going down, start going up. And also, if you can afford it, bring an ATV because it'll get you back into those places that, you know, will get you closer to where you need to go. And man, there was prob there also was a massive fire in a portion of the unit. And so like everybody was concentrated this year. Like gotcha. everybody was in pretty much everybody was on the same mountain like area. Like gotcha. so there was people everywhere. There were, and almost everybody had ATVs. So I really missed the mark by not having an ATV um, is what it is. It was a fun trip. I enjoyed it. Gotcha. Um, All right. We'll transition. So I'm going to call my dad. Hopefully he texted me like 20 minutes ago about how long <laughs> it was going to be. <laughs> See if I can't get him on the phone. But uh, so I I went out, said my dad got a bull elk tag. Let's see if he'll answer me. Hello? Hey, what's up? 
How are you? Pretty good of itself. Good. Still watching NASCAR? Just getting over. Oh, nice. All right, so I haven't gotten too far into it, but uh, I'll, I'll get us started and we'll go from there. Uh, so, Dad, uh, he he got a, a bull tagging here in Nebraska, and that obviously is a huge deal because you're one and done. So you get one tag, you shoot your tag, and then you're, you're done. That's it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the good part about Nebraska for our listeners is a lot of people don't realize the amount of elk that is in Nebraska, and because they aren't hunted as hard, there's a lot of trophies um, in Nebraska. So it's like, pretty easy to find that 360 and above class in the state. Your your success rate in Nebraska is actually really really good. So this has been, I mean, I won't explain, explain too much for you, but like this is this has always been something my dad's talked to about, mm-hmm. like. Ever since I was growing up, he always wanted to go elk hunting. So he got he got his elk tag. Hey, like you want to go hunting? He's like, oh, absolutely. So <laughs> kind of started as a shit show because I was gonna go opening weekend. Something came up. Adam went with him, and it was just like dreadfully hot. Yeah. And uh, so second weekend, I'm gonna go with him. Awesome. Well, my there's a set of clients. It's like they're like. They're, they're like a very like first priority kind of client kind mm-hmm. of deal. Like we want to go pheasant hunting Friday afternoon. I'm like, ah, I'm supposed to run out to dad, like home with my dad. And I was like, okay, like I'll take you and then I'll run out and go hunt. Well, that's when Nala got, got sick. I had to take her to the vet. So it's already like 10 o'clock <laughs> and I got to make a four hour drive. Yeah. So I get out. Pull into dad's place at like 2 a.m. We obviously have to get up at like 4 or 5 o'clock, and like I'm running on like two hours of sleep. Yeah. So we'll start our story. We go out to the first spot. Dad's like, Dad, you 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 were like on the move. You you were you knew where you were going and you knew what was going on. And I at this point, like I'm I'm dazed and confused of like <laughs> life in general, just because like I had no sleep. <laughs> And we walk over this field. First thing that happens, he bugles once, and something like uh, a bull responds. At this point, like I'm like, oh, like this is legit. Like <laughs> this could be happening, you know? Like I'm still just trying to like make sense of life. And he's like walking around the edge, and like you were, you knew what you were doing. I was just like following along, just giddy. I was there, you know. And we get to this corner. And I, I, I'll let you take off this part because we get into this bowl. Go ahead. Well, that was honestly the first one I had ever called in. I had got him to answer before, but that's honestly the first one we had ever got to come toward us. And it, I was shaking. <laughs> I mean, it did that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you know, I I was like a ten year old kid or twelve year old kid gonna shoot his first deer, you know. It, it, it was it was interesting. That's the thing is, like, when you were calling at him, like, so to kind of visualize for our our listeners, so we're along this fence line in this cornfield, and there's just tracks, and like, there's just elk. You could just tell they've been in there. They've been they, you know. They'd sit there, they'd sleep at night, and then they'd go in the canyon. Well, there was a row of cedar trees, and Dad's sitting there calling, 
and like cedar trees are probably like 30 40 yards from us and like this bull elk's calling to us like on the other side of the cedar trees coming through the cedar trees so it's like deafening how loud this thing is like just yeah blaring and all right i'll, I'll let you keep going i kind of took over oh no take over and run it, it, um <laughs> <laughs> so you know we're, we're missing part of this though guys yep we're missing the part of when i got this tag and i started finding places to hunt i was all over a couple hundred miles of nebraska finding places to hunt and as crazy as this is my biggest help of finding places to hunt was nebraska game of parks they were all over it um they want the success rate to be there um so it was an adventure and the weekend before hunter came or a couple weeks before that when it was so hot you know i'd hunted deer all my life and so i was going out deer hunting only i was going to shoot an elk and the truth of the matter is I had no idea how to shoot an elk because <laughs> they're not deer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, me and Adam went out on the four wheeler and went riding on the four wheeler looking for elk. Two of us on a four wheeler. Yeah. And, and driving the canyons looking for elk and, yeah, I think you could do that every day for the next year and never see one. It's only yeah. the weather broke a little bit. I mean, we're still having some pretty hot days, but the weather broke and they started bugling, and it was just amazing. You know, it's, um, it's crazy. You know, we've we've deer hunted that area for years and years and years, and we've never seen an elk down there until like now. The meaning they've been there, it's just we haven't ever ran into them. It's odd. I've kind of found elk are a lot like turkeys. When like, and this will make more sense to you this spring when I take you, which is going to happen. Um, <laughs> you don't see them in the like off season if you will so like turkeys you don't see them very often in the fall because they're in big groups and they're like not out in the open doing anything but in the spring it's like you look in every single field you're gonna see turkeys because they're gobbling and they're strutting and they're doing their thing and in the fall when it comes to elk i mean i completely agree i've never seen an elk i've i've seen elk now in nebraska but three years ago i'd never seen an elk in nebraska but you get right. in the area where they're at at that right time of year, and they're everywhere. They really are. Like, yeah. there's a lot of them. But. All right, continue it, on, Dad. Uh, you continue. Run with it. All right, so we're coming around this field. Dad's bugling with this, this elk, and this elk is just screaming. And I told Dad that I was going to film this hunt, but I at this point I was too tired. I just didn't grab the camera. So this elk is bugling like crazy, and I bring up my phone like, well, at least I can get it on the phone, you know, and like it's just going nuts, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is really happening, and I can, 
dad was pulled up and he was on a fence and there was like this bush and like i was just trying to keep down because the last thing i want to do <laughs> is ruin someone's dream huh mm-hmm. in, in that scenario because you know he's ready and i'm you know elk pops out and sees me so i'm just like trying to do my best to get down and stay down and keep my head down well i <laughs> i'm trying to like somewhat video and next thing you know i hear, hear this boom and i'm like i look over and dad just got like shaking shaking like a little kid and he's like did i shoot it did i shoot it and i was like I wasn't even. I wasn't looking. <laughs> I, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> so <laughs> we get up, get over the fence, and like start looking around. We spent at least half an hour looking for blood. Neither one of us ever did. We could, nah. we could see the tracks exactly where he'd ran out at, and it just wasn't there. And like, it's just one of those things, you know. Like, yeah. It wasn't. Not, it was probably nothing more than a fifty-yard shot, but it was just one of those moments where it's like, oh, freak out! <laughs> it's, it's an elk. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are you gonna do? Uh so that was day one. That was that was quite the experience. If, for just in general, you know, um, I think that was kind of the finisher. We did. So the end of day one, we ran out and we started looking at a new area. And to give a little background about this area, it's flat and it's just cornfields. Mm-hmm. Would you ever expect Western Nebraska cornfields that there's going to be elk in there? No. So mm-hmm. Dad had gotten this lead from the game parks to go talk to this guy that there'd already been shot, there'd already been elk shot out there, and that we need to go talk to this elk or this landowner because he'll probably give us access mm-hmm. to come shoot, shoot an elk. We get out there. It's cornfields. Yeah. Like, huh? And, like, we even drove around some of the areas we thought this guy lived at, just kind of scouting it out. Like, uh, huh? Huh? <laughs> huh? <laughs> so okay. we pull up to the, the landowner's house and pop out, and we end up talking to the son. And the son's like, oh, yeah. We already, you know, we had, like, two cows and a bull shot out of here. Like, I'll go show you where to hunt at. So we go drive over and we look and there is just a track mm-hmm. hoop. There is everything. And it's fresh because it like I think I think you guys had gotten some rain like a couple days before that and like there's a fresh track. Like they had been there that day. Mm-hmm. So we get out there, day two, first morning. Dad and I are just gonna set up and see what happens. Uh Brent was Brent Hoover with us that day? Yeah, day two. Yes. Brent was with us. So Brent the way we were going to set up this hunt, we were going to set it in this corner of this field. Brent was going to be behind us, and that we were going to call. Well, the way that it looked was, is this corner of the field, it looked like the highway it would, was going west. So we were kind of set up to where we were going to try to get into, the, like, the bull pull them out of that corn from the west. Mm-hmm. Get there, set up, first call. Like, first bugle, we get a response. Elk. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, like, okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, you want to take you want to take it from here, Dad? No, run with it. You're doing good. Okay, okay, all right. So, bugles, and like he's from the other direction. So we're like all trying to like shimmy around the other way because he's coming from the east. And like, what is going on? You know, like, mm-hmm. and I'm, 
I'm like freaking out at this point. Like, where's this bowl going to come from? So corn stalks were hiding behind corn stalks were hiding behind telephone poles. <laughs> so <laughs> we swivel around and I have my binoculars up and I just see the monster. I call him the monster or the ghost. We'll get to the ghost in a minute. The monster. And I pull up and like my hands, like I'm not hunting. I'm, I don't have a gun. My hands are shaking so bad. I'm struggling to see this elk and I start counting points and I'm like, dude, this, I didn't, I don't know if I said that exactly. I was like, he's a monster dad. So I'm like trying to get him like set up for a shot. And like the way this elk came up and there's like a little ridge in this field. And he like peeked up on the ridge and was like looking at us. And he was probably about two, two fifty from us. Like I start count points and I'm like, he's an eight by eight. Like <laughs> dad's like, dad, I, dad has his gun on my shoulder, on my shoulder, trying to like get it settled and get like a decent shot and like i could feel him and we're both just like uh, he's shaking i'm shaking i can't even see it in the scope (laughs) so uh the way that peak works is at ridges so he just the elk kind of walked on the ridge and then kind of petered back and then just kind of ended up taking off at this point like we're all just like holy crap did that just happen kind of you know scenario and uh, we ended up finishing up that hunt. Um, I think the evening we went out to the one that's out farther west um, that you had been at, and we we kind of saw some signs stuff, but nothing really happened too much. So, so end of day two didn't really see too much. So, mo- morning day three, Brent Hoover, Dad, I, and then Brent Hoover's son or grandson, excuse me, we're going out to safe spot. Like we know it's where he's coming from mm-hmm. we know what's going to happen we know what's going on so set up the spot give no no back up and remember the trip going out there oh okay yeah that, that's a that's a big part so we're driving out there probably i would say one of the thick thickest fogs i've ever been mm-hmm. in. i'm i'm driving down the interstate going like 45 50 it's that thick. You can't see nothing ahead of you. Get on the dirt roads. There's no lights, nothing. I'm going 25. I have to open up the window and stick my head out because I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> like, I could, I could see the map where it was, and I could see where, like, 10 yards ahead of me, yeah. but that's it. Like, I'm just scared. Now, the truth of the matter is, to get off of the interstate, Hunter used his GPS on his phone <laughs> To figure out how to get off of the interstate because you couldn't see the exit. Now, mind you, I've I've we've been in this area most of my childhood. We mm-hmm. hunted out this area all the yeah. time. So, like, you know, I have this down pat by heart, but yet yeah. I, it's that bad. So we get out, we pull up, we get set up, we walk out in the field. Okay, we know where this this elk's coming from. We're gonna do everything we can. So, Dad's in front, Brent's behind. And then I am trying to keep an eye out to figure out where this deer is at or deer elk. So Brent calls as soon as that happens, boom, we can hear him. So the way this is set up is he was coming from the east and then the farmer actually owned another field that was caddy quarter to the one he was coming across. Mm -hmm. So the way we're calling it seemed like he was farther off than he was the day before. So we're going to maybe hop over and jump over to that other one and maybe pull him out from the other side. 
So we're walking along the road, and Dad's Dad's ahead of us. It's my Brent Hoover's grandson and Brent, and we're walking. And I like by this telephone pole, and Brent Hoover's grandson just kind of pokes me. He's like, "Hey," I'm like, "Hey, what's up?" He's like, "It's over there." Like, what's over there? What? And I look over, and he like this elk's a hundred yards from us, <laughs> like a hundred yards from us. And I'm freaking out, and I just dove for the ground behind the telephone pole, and I'm just trying to yell at Dad, like, it's over there. It's over there. And, like... Well, the truth of the matter is, is I'm old, and I don't see very good. <laughs> if you just want me to be honest. <laughs> and these guys could see this elk in this fog, and I couldn't. So, from where we're at, he probably was a hundred, like seventy to a hundred yards from dad. He was probably fifty yards down. He was probably a hundred and twenty, hundred fifty yards from my dad. So like, I'm trying to do my best to communicate with dad about what's going on, like where he's at, mm-hmm. and like between the fog, like everything. And I, if you guys haven't checked it out, I've actually got the video on our Instagram, on our reels, and like yep. I start counting points. And I told I told Brent the day before, like he's an he's an like an eight by eight, and dad kind of he kind of agreed and brent's like really that many and i'm like no like he's a monster so brent and i are counting points he's an eight by nine (sighs) he's an eight by nine he's a monster so like we're trying to communicate back and forth and like it just didn't end up working out unfortunately and we didn't end up getting uh getting him killed but we didn't and he was like gone i mean after that we don't know whether he left with cows or if when we weren't there, somebody else got him shot. Yeah. See, the, the, other, just, the other funny part about this was when we were, like, walking out to go back to the truck, I told Dad when we were walking, I'm like, I bet he just appears out of nowhere. Either he's going to appear out of nowhere or he's not going to show up at all. Mm-hmm. He came out like a ghost. Yeah. Like, just that, that experience itself, like, I'm not a big game hunter, but, like, I would – Oh, for sure, Elkhorn. Like, yeah. no, no doubt about it. So, that ended up, uh, yeah, that ended up finishing off my experience with you. Um, obviously, it was. I wish I would have been a, been able to be with you when you shot your elk, just because like that's always been a dream hunt for you, and you did accomplish that. We'll get to that in a sec. But like it, it was it was pretty cool. But I I I don't think I've actually heard the full story of. How you? I mean, you kind of told me pieces and parts, but like, how did this? Uh, the day you shot that elk, okay. how did that go? We're gonna back up. One of the guys that I had permission to hunt on was letting different people go different days, and this guy had offered me to hunt the very first day, and we had seen a huge bull elk at another spot, and we were determined we were gonna go find him. So I choose to not hunt on this guy's place the very first day. And there was a very nice low 300 bull. And I'm like, oh, no. (laughs) Well, anyway, so we're still chasing elk, still seeing elk, but I'm still going to work a week at a time in between this. Well, he calls me up while I'm gone to work in Colorado. 
and ask me if I want to hunt. Oh, absolutely. At this point, you know? Yeah. And so he takes me out there when I get home and gives me three days to hunt. That day that he took me out there, that evening I had to hunt, and then two more days. And he uh, was very nice, set me up in his blind, just absolutely everything. And we went out there the first evening, and it was one of them very windy evenings, and we seen absolutely nothing. Me and Hoover were just determined this was going to be the best spot. And nothing. And, and we go the next morning. We're there in plenty of time. We get in the blind. An awesome blind. And the next thing is there's elk bugling. And, you know, we'd been there the night before at sundown, and there was nothing. Well, that morning there was elk bugle, and, and it is getting daylight or legal shooting time. It was five minutes before legal shooting time. There was a monster bull. And him and two cows, they went in the corn. Oof. And me and Hoover were determined we were going to call him out. And we started working on calling this bull out of the corn. Nothing. No response. No nothing. Okay. So at this point, we're halfway through day two. About that time, Hoover turns around and looks out the back window of this blind. Because there's three bulls right behind us. We had called in two raghorn bulls. And the bull that I ended up shooting. And here they come. Well, the bull that I ended up shooting went to the water hole. And the water hole was probably... So, 75 yards, watched him drink, watched the Hoover at this point. He's videoing everything, taking pictures, videoing. I mean, this place that we went, all the posts, even railroad ties, were almost all the way wore through from Al Catler's rubbing on them. All the posts, everything. I mean, this. This place is phenomenal. It's about 12 miles from my house, and and you can drive by there any day and not know there's an out there, and and he says there's approximately 50 of them there. Oh, my gosh. Um, So here's Hoover and I, and all of a sudden, Hoover and I start tying, and he's like, well, I have I'm looking, and I don't know what to do, and and I got the rifle out the window of this blind, and here comes this elk from the water hole toward the blind. (laughs) (laughs) And and like I said earlier, I I admit I don't have the best vision anymore, 
and I, uh, I've got a pretty nice bull standing broadside in front of me at 40 yards. And I, you know, and my other side of me is thinking, you know, you got tomorrow, maybe tomorrow or maybe tonight you can get that big one, you know. And he just kept standing there and he was pretty much facing me at this point. And he turned broadside, and I, I looked over at Hoover, and I said, I'm going to do this. And the one thing the guy told me, he says, if you shoot once and they're not down, keep shooting, or else mm-hmm. they're going in the corn, and, and you're not going to like this. Trying to get him out of a cornfield. So I shot, and he's there wee wobbling, and I shot again, and he's down. And let the work begin. Oh, boy. Um, We had my little trailer. And Hunter knows what I'm talking about. And, of course, Hoover, he's into pictures and video and and everything. So he's taking pictures and video. And and then we field dress it. And we put the eye back up to it and, and put the little tailgate down on my trailer and Hoover grabs an antler and I grab an antler and it don't move. <laughs> Two of us could not even move it. So we took and I had a come along and I hooked it on the front of the trailer and I hooked it on the elk and the next thing we looked down the front of the trailer is all fed up. Still not moving this elk. <laughs> <laughs> this bull elk that had lived in this cornfield for all this time, he, he was, you know, he probably, in another year or two, probably would have been a trophy. And he's mine, and, you know, I, I think back now that maybe I should have went to this place and shot that big one that first morning. And then I look back on it, and I think now, if you know Adam, my son, lives in Omaha. I drug him out here. He hunted with me. Hunter came out and hunted with me, and it was just awesome. And Hoover was with me, and Hoover's grandson. And then I got two other great friends, Ed Moore and Mike Fry, which both of those helped me do all the scouting before hunting season, which was probably almost more intense sometimes finding places to hunt, talking to people and than the actual hunt. So I got to thank them guys too. And I, and I look back on them now and if I'd have went and shot that very first one that very first morning, I never probably would have learned to hunt elk in Nebraska because we went from the very first day of riding around on a four-wheeler and not seeing any elk to learning to where there was elk and and learning to call elk and like Hunter said we called elk in yeah you know it it, it was amazing It, it was amazing the time I got to spend with my friends and my sons 
and that means more to me than the 300 bull. Do me wrong. If I had the chance now, I'd probably go do that. But, you know, looking back on this experience, I would trade it for nothing. No, I hear you. It it sure seems like the older I get, the the more more I care about the experience rather than the actual kill. Like, obviously, the kill seems to be a huge bonus, and shooting a limiter or shooting a, a big old turkey is a big, you know, it's a big plus. But, man, the experience is really a, a difference maker, and so that's that's huge. Mm-hmm. You know, absolutely it is. You know, and both of my kids come out, Adam and Hunter come out, and I had a black powder deer permit, and we went and shot a pretty decent deer together. Thank goodness I had them two young men to help me drag it out of there. We wouldn't have been in that. It, we wouldn't have had that problem if Adam had just done what I'd asked him to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> once again, if, if Dad seen better, would have finished it in the first shot, and that wouldn't have happened either. I don't know. It, I mean, that was... I would say it was a long. It wasn't a long shot necessarily, but anybody could have made that shot. It was just one of those. The deer, we get up, we get up that ridge, and the deer's looking at you like you're about to bump this deer. And I told Adam like just just finish it off, just be done with it, you know, so we don't have any more issues. And by golly, he had to bump it. So, uh, but we did we did see a monster up there. I I'm curious if he oh, yeah. makes it another year. The monster. Yeah. Yeah. Well. I don't know. Of course, he'll be there next year. Yeah. Um. I don't know about how long he'll make it, but yeah, <laughs> that's the truth. But, but yeah. Well, I appreciate you coming on and uh, getting on the podcast, and telling your story with us. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. Have a great one. Yeah. Love you. Love you. Bye. That concludes that concludes the North Platte hunting experience. Uh, what Trent what <laughs> What Hunter uh didn't talk about is the fact that I was constantly getting a play by play about this whole situation. And where Hunter lacks the desire for big game hunting, I thrive upon it and want to do it. Some days more than duck hunting, but this year, this yeah. year, yeah, for sure. Well, <laughs> but, one deer, huh? yeah, right? Um, and I've been, I'm going on five or six years applying in Nebraska for an elk tag, and so it, getting to get the play by plays of all of this. Man, I was losing my mind when you were telling me about that elk. Losing my mind when I see that reel, which you guys should go check out, hunters reels and what that would be somewhere in late september yeah yeah um i that bull was huge it was a giant i i'm not like i would say that bull is like i I hate to go as far as saying that bull is life-changing because like i'm not a i'm not a big game guy but like that got me to the point where it's like i would spend big like i would spend money and spend the time to go to like colorado to (coughs) chase one like the, yeah. that, that, that in itself, like Jeremy knows as well as I do, like 
I have the access to go deer hunting. I just don't care to that much, yeah. which he curses me for. But I, I would spend my money and time to go have the experience to try to go kill a bull. Yeah. I mean, to put it in perspective, if you haven't seen the video or you're not curious to go see that video of that bull, I would guess that it's north of 380. Yeah. It's a giant. I mean, it literally, it, like, when you talk about Nebraska elk hunting, and we're going to say this, but of course, Nebraska doesn't allow non-residents to even apply, which, as a resident for what we have, um, I appreciate it for the money that could come in for non-residents to come to the state it would be really big for the gaming parks in my opinion but that's a whole different story i think that if they had like say like they'd be able to give up like a couple of tags i i think the, I, the lottery price really i think high. they i think they should do it like they do that second bighorn tag in the yeah. state where they they auction them off because the reality is is if you're in the right place on the right ranch in nebraska you will shoot dang close to a 400 inch bull in the state i think the record in the state is like 411 and there's been every year there's one that is like ooh, that might hit it yeah like well the, i think that one of the or the record was shot by like a 10 year old girl a couple of years ago with a rifle that yeah. yeah um but actually the guy who he held the state record for archery for about two years at 393 works at shields but must be rough. Yeah, right. So. so let's uh let's go back to your uh Wyoming story. All right. I'll talk about Wyoming. I will probably there's not there's not much to talk about, so I'll try and keep it keep it short because Shay's already come down once and given the hunter the I'm starving look, so and I I'm not gonna lie, I'm getting hungry too. So Yeah. For <laughs> um me. Wyoming was the original elk hunt that I had planned this year. Um, it's just a late season tag, cow tags. Me and uh, my buddy Joe pulled. Uh, we all applied, not as a group, but we were applying for this hunt. We really just were like, after trail success elk hunting last year, we were like, let's make sure we can all go try or let's, let's do that. Well, I put a lot of research into finding a unit to go elk hunting in in wyoming where there were tags readily available um we were looking at those reduced cow tags because you know the money factor and you know i was also looking at success rates yada yada i literally spent like two weeks researching which is crazy honestly just the amount of time that i i did research but <laughs> pull the tag in like early july um get all excited for this hunt we go out there and i just want want to put it this way i know where i will mule deer and antelope hunt in the future and i know where i will never elk hunt again <laughs> and again same kind of the same issue i had in colorado this year it was really dry and it was extremely warm for the time of year so uh the elk were way up in the mountains. I mean, we even stopped in by, we stopped into, there's a game in parks in the unit that we were hunting and we stopped into it. And I was like, Hey, I've heard that this unit kind of sucks and that it's a rough unit. And that, you know, you know, it, it, that's just the way it is. I was like, we decided to go late because we wanted to get the elk that were down the mountain. Any idea, any idea. And she literally, I tell her that. And she's like, you hunting the unit we were in and i went yep and she was like oh cool 
Yeah, you might as well go home because they're like a unit and a half away up the mountain. And I was like, I kind of thought you would say that. I was like, going into the trip, I literally was like, this is going to, I'm afraid that this will happen. We weren't getting any snow. It wasn't that cold. Should have brought the decoys. <laughs> they're one, actually, they're, we wouldn't have been, been able to shoot any ducks or geese in that area. It was all. That's why you travel. I did, I mean, we did go right through the west side of the state traveling. I mean, I I definitely thought about it, but it is what it is. Uh, we had a really fun trip. Uh, to put it in perspective, we put 400 miles on the truck driving around looking for elk, and we talked to anybody that we possibly could. We got the best tips that we could. They just were up the mountain, and, you know, pain is what it is. But if you pay attention to my Instagram at all, uh, I had like a two-week stretch where I was posting pictures from that trip, and I saw a multitude of mule deer that I would shoot. Yeah. Like, I saw more shootable deer, in my opinion, than I saw like small shoot- like small deer. So we're planning, about, we're planning on trying to do a Wyoming deer hunt to that area. We'd love to plan a antelope hunt to that area, but uh, we also talked to the Game and Parks lady about that, and she said that's a really hard unit to get into, like uh, seven preference points kind of hard, which that's ridiculous in my opinion, but okay. Um, And then she was like, she she had the audacity to just say, um, it's a really hard unit because um, we don't have that many antelope. And I was like... I've seen 3,000 antelope today, so I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> like, and by the end of the trip, I mean, I think we saw the same herd a couple times, but um, we saw 5,000 antelope probably. I mean, they're it's just everywhere. It, they're like rats. <laughs> but um, we, uh. we saw some sage grouse, which I would love to hunt those too. But Hunter doesn't like hunting grouse. Uh, grouse? I thought you said you didn't like hunting grouse. No, I just said I would prefer pheasants over grouse. Well, but I was talking about prairie chickens. Prairie chicken. Everybody's like, why would you go turban? No, I, pheasants are cooler. They're pretty. They make a weird noise that I like. <laughs> They're fun. Hey, okay, I mean, I'll give you the pretty factor, but, you know. <sighs> yeah. We can have a different upland game conversation on a podcast Actually, or something. That's, that's for real, though. There's a guy that I want to talk to. Uh, I, I talk to him once in a while. He listens to the podcast pretty regularly. But um, his name his name's Douglas, but he does like stuff for Pheasants Forever. I want to uh-huh. get him on the podcast. I talk to him. He might actually be down for uh, in March to go snow goose home with us. Oh, right on. So, so. there we go. We could talk about the Bergen plan because, you know, I have an opinion about it. You have, have an, an opinion, opinion about it. About it and I actually talked to him about it, too, because that's just, yeah, we'll get there. We'll yeah, get there. That's a whole podcast. Like, that could be another hour and a half long podcast. Yeah. But, so, yeah, that was Wyoming. It was, we had a lot of fun as a group. Trail came along and kind of, that trip rejuvenated his desire to hunt again, which made me probably more happy than anything else on the trip. Um, I got a lot of time to mess with my camera because I was just taking pictures of animal animals and it was, it was a great trip. It just no elk. Um, 
that was my season really it just every elk hunt or elk thought i had just was kind of a disappointment like but same thing as colorado the things that i learned in colorado i will remember forever on future elk hunts the things that i learned in wyoming across the board for big game was i mean that's knowledge of areas that i like you can do a lot of research on a computer but you never know what you're stepping into until you walk into the area i learned that and that wyoming's game and parks hey if there's a game and parks person from wyoming listening to this please fix your damn website that thing is like reading braille like it is so i'm sorry I, i'm not trying to bash too much but it is take some time and look through that website if you never have and like yeah <laughs> it is a pain but it is what it is i mean so all right y'all my wife is a mvp her cheer team has won two competitions in a row and she's starving and wanting some alcohol so we're gonna have to get off the podcast yeah she might come down here and kill us she was nice when she came down the first time but yeah this time's yeah never know how quickly all right y'all we appreciate you listening to the elk podcast sorry it took so long for us to get on we look forward to the next one i think the next one's gonna be uh andrew with mint or mallard bay it's kind of like the new airbnb of guide services we'll kind of describe it in the podcast so make sure to give that one a listen coming up next week and uh we appreciate you guys listening to this and uh, make sure to give us a rating review if you guys like this if not then well oh well have a nice day yeah god bless y'all see you later